Narcissistic Cognitive Distortion, today at cleanbeing.com. Hi, my name is Angela Atkinson. I'm a certified life coach and author and a survivor of narcissistic abuse in relationships. Uh, before we get started, let's go over a few things here. Queenbeing.com is my website where you can go to get resources and help for victims and survivors of narcissistic abuse. Most everything there is free um, and anything that is that does lead to a, a pay product is, you know, it's it's not, nothing is expensive. All right. Um, but most everything is free. Uh, speaking of free, if you go to NarcissismSupportCoach.com, you could take my free five-day fear-busting email course. And if you are interested in my books, go check out booksangiewrote.com, uh, which will actually lead you right to my Amazon page. And you'll see my books on understanding and dealing with narcissism and relationships and narcissistic abuse recovery. So one last thing before we get started, if you haven't already joined SPAN, it is a, an online support group, um, a private online support group for people who are affected by toxic narcissism in relationships. It's a safe place where you can talk with other victims and survivors and get support that you need to get through this stuff. So if you're currently struggling with the narcissist gaslighting, manipulation, and other toxic mental and emotional abuse, and, and whether you're still in the relationship or you're maybe co-parenting with the narcissist or it's a mother or father, I'd like to invite you to, enjoy in our, to join our SPAN group. It doesn't cost anything and it's an opportunity to absolutely connect with an incredibly supportive group of survivors. And when I say supportive, I mean supportive. We have, um, I think we have seven admins and they are amazing, wonderful people. And it's just a really nice place for you to feel safe and to let yourself be supported. And that is exactly what you probably need right now because in my experience, um, being in a relationship with a narcissist can feel a lot like being by yourself. So, Moving on, let's get started today. So if you've ever lived with, worked with, or loved a narcissist, you may have experienced a form of manipulation that I like to call narcissistic distortion. And as it turns out, my term isn't that far off. In fact, my recent research proved it. Uh, the fact is that narcissists have the utmost faith in their personal convictions, whether they're true or false, right? So, and, and of course, they're no less convinced of their own lies than normal people are of basic facts, such as, you know, the sky being blue and the grass being green. They actually believe their own lies, and that is why they are so convincing to everyone around them, or most people. And especially, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with a really charismatic narcissist, they, they, they have this blind self-faith, and it can become very contagious. That's where you get your flying monkeys, and that's where you get your, you know, <laughs> yeah, a lot of negativity. Um, but that is because, you know, the reason that it's contagious is because we are only programmed to detect lies that are blatant, right? Um, and unless we, we know someone very well, you know, we can't always tell. And the fact is that since most narcissists actually believe their own bullshit, they can be incredibly convincing. So to them, their twisted perceptions have become real, like so real that they seem to be the actual truth. And honestly, even if you know them really well, you might still believe them because of the fact that, that when someone believes a lie that they're telling, um, it is the truth to them. And so for that reason, even a very skilled empath may have trouble discerning between the truth and, and the, the, the story. Um, and I, I think that's very telling. What do you think? So let's talk about narcissistic personality disorder and cognitive distortions. Let me tell you a little story. All right. So there is a situation where a daughter, an, an adult daughter, contacted her mother and said, you know what, I took a DNA test and it turns out that even though we've believed our whole lives that we are Native American, 
we're not. It turns out we're actually Greek and Italian, right? So this person's mother then said, who is a narcissist, said, um, you must have been switched at birth because obviously that is not true. So instead of just acknowledging the possibility that they had believed incorrectly that they were Native American, this mother would rather say to her daughter that she is switched at birth. That, my friend, is an example of cognitive distortion because the narcissist believes so strongly in her stories that she's told herself all her life that when the truth is brought to her, she cannot handle it and she, you know, becomes willing to call her daughter switched at birth. Interesting, right? Anyway, according to my research, there is such a thing as cognitive distortion, and this is often um, associated with narcopaths, people with NPD, and those in, in various psychopathological states. Um, so the cognitive distortions are defined as exaggerated or irrational thought patterns that are believed to perpetuate the effects of psychopathological states, especially in depression and anxiety, especially depression and anxiety. Um, so the first person that studied this stuff, I don't know if this is of interest, but uh, was a psychiatrist named Aaron T. Beck. And along with a student, David Burns, Beck was able to build up significant research on this topic. In fact, in his eight, 1989 book, The Feeling Good Handbook, uh, he presented an overview um, of these twisted thought patterns along with his suggestions on how to eliminate them. So in general, cognitive distortions cause people to perceive reality differently than literally everyone else around them. So a narcissist will be less likely to perceive events and situations the way that most people do. And the, the twisted, you know, kinds of thinking patterns then, you know, reinforce your narcissist's negative thoughts or emotions. And he believes even deeper that he is, in fact, what he thinks he is or that the situation is what he has twisted it into. Simply put, cognitive distortion leads to an especially twisted perception of any situation for a narcissist. And that, for, for you, is, is bad news if you're involved with him or her. Um, again, narcissism and cognitive distortion equal a very twisted mind. That's what it comes down to. So since a narcissist can't stand to lose, he's got to twist the facts in order to suit him during an argument, right? So this way he can always maintain his always right status and, you know, avoid taking responsibility for his behavior. Here are some simple examples of narcissistic cognitive distortion. Like I said, it is just one more way you can be manipulated by a narcissist. So here's a kind of funny example of how this works. Saw a meme the other day. I was totally rolling. It featured a truck that had been smashed into a tree, right? And the caption was like, uh, you know, it was the tree's fault because the narcissist was, of course, blaming the tree for the accident. Um, it was funny. Anyway, so if you're in need of a, a bit of a twisted laugh, imagine if you saw a narcissist run his car into a tree and imagine <laughs> whether he might try to twist it and say it's the tree's fault. I just, I think that's hilarious. Anyway, more literally, if he said something very hurtful during an argument, he might deny that it ever happened when you ask him about it. And sometimes that's true even if you repeat it back to him immediately. You know, he might say to you, you know, you're the biggest piece of crap I ever met. And you might say back to him, you just told me I'm the biggest piece of crap you'd ever met. And he would say, no, I didn't. You see what I mean? Um, it, it's crazy making. So let's talk about um, some information I picked up on mentalhealth.net. People with per narcissistic personality disorder exhibit distorted thinking when they go back and forth between over-idealizing themselves and then completely devaluing themselves. Believe it or not, it's, it's a thing that they do. In addition, they have a tendency to overestimate the importance or significance of their abilities and talents. That's pretty common for NPD people, right? So when they have NPD, people frequently have fantasies of having unlimited power, success, or special talents. Grandiosity. You know what I'm talking about? 
Um, these over, over idealized beliefs about themselves can cause them to behave in ways that are arrogant, ruthless, and entitled. I bet you that describes most of our narcissists a little bit, arrogant, ruthless, and entitled. Um, such behavior can frequently obviously cause a lot of conflict with others. You know, for example, a person with narcissistic personality disorder might just ignore the social custom of waiting in line to purchase a ticket. Instead, they'll march to the front of the line, believing they are more important than the other people in the line, and therefore entitled to special treatment. Do you, do you see that? how that example kind of <laughs> works for almost everything? Of course, the people waiting in line uh, are not going to respond well to this, and conflict will, will erupt. And eventually, the person with narcissistic personality disorder is likely to run into a situation in which they realize that they do have normal human limitations. And when this occurs, uh, they really are likely to find it extraordinarily difficult to cope, to cope with that realization. So any inkling of failure is hard for them to tolerate. The sudden realization of ordinary human limitations typically leads them to completely debase themselves, shifting from the over-idealized fantasy of unlimited success and special powers to a devastating and paralyzing sense of complete worthlessness, shame, and defeat. So again, narcissistic distortion is another way to manipulate victims. And obviously it's just one more way that the narcissist will manipulate his victims to get what he wants. It's often used as a part of the whole gaslighting process, unfortunately. Uh, Frank Hubert, or Hubert, author of Dune, I don't even know how to say that, I'm sorry. Anyway, says that how often the angry man rages denial of what his inner self is telling him, you know, it, he says the defenses of denial and getting angry when challenged about harmful behavior function to maintain a self-image of feeling good about themselves even though others can see through the facade. So when you're challenged by, you know, about harmful behavior, when a narcissist is challenged about his harmful behavior, he struggles to maintain that very inflated self-image. So even though you can see right through them, they need to appear to feel good about themselves. It's part of their game. They need everyone to think that they think they're awesome, even though we all know they don't love themselves or they wouldn't act that way. Most narcissists aren't even aware of their textbook behavior. And if you have the nerve to point it out to them, it will simply launch a narcissistic rage. And often that inevitably will lead to narcissistic injury, another lovely manipulation tactic. You know, I'm so angry at you because you called me out and how dare you? Oh, I guess you're right. I guess I'm the biggest piece of crap in the whole world. Poor narcissist. You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, so let's talk about gaslighting, distortion, and ugly other ugly ways narcissists can take control. All of these tactics are generally used together in order to further assert the narcissist's control over you and your life. As you grow further isolated from the people in your life outside of the narcissist, the spider web of control gets, you know, stickier and you become increasingly less functional. Think of yourself as sort of a little fly inside the spider. Let's talk, let's, let's say butterfly, it's prettier, <laughs> in the spider web of control. And, and, you know, once you get stuck to it, it, it becomes stickier and, and you can't get out. So, and then there's the whole boundaries issue. Most narcissists have none when it comes to other people. If you have the nerve to set any, uh, they will actually use that against you. They will relish the opportunity to stomp all over you, okay? Most narcissists fail to understand their boundaries and recognize that other people are individuals rather than extensions of themselves, according to Dr. Anaya Mandel. Mandel. Um, those who support the self-esteem of the narcissist are expected to always do so, with the narcissist failing to recognize the, the independence of the other person. 
How does it feel to the narcissistic supply, the victim? How do you feel, right? Being in a relationship with a narcissist, it puts you in a sort of scary roller coaster ride of emotions, right? Because you have the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. And these might alternate so quickly that you begin to lose your grip on what used to be reality for you, right? Your ability to reason is called into question so often that instinct kicks in and you might go into survival mode, okay? Let's talk about isolation and control. Okay, so apparent apathy will set in and you begin to feel that it's okay to be isolated because truthfully, it's easier to avoid people than to have to pretend that everything's okay for a single minute more, okay? Um, and that's terrible, but it is what it is. Slowly, you stop reaching out to your support system because you're just tired of the whole why don't you leave if it's so bad thing. If, when you do try to talk to people, you stop being able to do the things you used to do and eventually you just don't care anymore. Nothing feels important except how you're going to deal with the next incident. It's exhausting. It's mentally and emotionally exhausting and it keeps you, um, it causes you to develop symptoms very similar to those of PTSD. In fact, many health professionals have told me that long-term relationships with narcissists can actually cause a form of PTSD called CPTSD or complex post-traumatic stress disorder. It's like you're in a war. Let's talk about eggshells, numbness, and narcissistic supply. If you're in an active relationship with a narcissist right now, chances are that you are at least part of his narcissistic supply chain, or aka narcissistic harem, which means he almost literally requires your energy, attention, and subservience. And that's really true. It's, it's the supply. It's like a drug to him, right? You spend your life walking on eggshells in order to avoid the wrath of the narcissist, and that becomes, unfortunately, your primary function. You are so exhausted by all the stuff that you put up with that you literally begin to primarily focus on how to avoid his anger and his wrath. And that's, of course, his plan all along. Now your life becomes all about him. That's exactly what a narcissist wants. You become unable to deal with anyone else's emotions or issues because you are so numb when you deal with a narcissist. You have to go numb if you want to survive it sometimes. We call that disassociation. I've got actually a video, a couple of videos on that as well. And I've written on about it at queenbeing.com. Um, but the harshness becomes so commonplace and often that the victims, you know, most victims of narcissists will, like I said, teach themselves to sort of numb out in order to protect themselves from further psychological damage. I know I did. I was always, and I still struggle with it today, with dissociation. But when something upsets me, my first um, instinct is to just go numb. And that's not healthy, but it's, it's, a, it's an after effect of having been involved with a narcissist. It's normal. And so when you know that it's normal, you can take action. When you understand that it exists, you can take action to change it. I work on that through mindfulness. I actually just uh, did a video the other day about this, uh, focusing on being in the moment right now. And we'll talk more about that later. Later. Um, let's talk about the discarded narcissistic supply. So the discard phase, we all know it and whether your narcissist actually leaves you or just gives you the old silent treatment, you know how painful it can be. Um, and as you probably already know, if you dare to stand up against the narcissist on any subject, you might as well prepare for a war. Like I said, it's a war. Uh, his rage and narcissistic energy uh, Injury will rain down on you like a proverbial shower of fire and pain. I know that sounds a little dramatic, but it's true. It's just like that. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, you might want to go to queenbeing.com and read about the narcissistic flip, why and how it's always your fault. Anyway, 
um, make any valid point about a narcissist that's anything less than, oh my God, you're so amazing, and understand <laughs> that he will find a reason to not only negate it, but also to twist it around and make it all about you. And now you're wrong. We call that the narcissistic flip. Did I mention that? <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, in many cases, this leads to the discard phase, whether he physically leaves you or he just gives you the horribly uncomfortable days-long, months-long, weeks-long silent treatment. He's at least mentally discarding you and potentially already looking for your replacement. And to you, it just might feel a little bit like the world is ending. But don't worry, that's exactly what he wants. Let's talk about the predator becoming the victim. Once he's done that, chances are he's spreading lies and twisted perception around to the people you have in common. Uh, so this can lead to you appearing to be the problem. You know, the predatory bitch he just wishes would love him the way he deserves to be loved according to him. For you, it's just another tiny betrayal in a long line of them. You know, So he might go talk to your mother or he might go talk to his mother or his sister or your friend or whatever and he's going to tell everybody how terrible you are to him and what a mean, horrible person you are and poor him, he tries so hard, la la la. This is incredibly frustrating. Um, because you want to defend yourself and, and you want to tell everyone what you're dealing with. But what happens is that when you try to do that, you know, he twists everything and makes you look even crazier. So the best thing I can say to you here is to, you know, for the people that are close to you, say you know better. And if you have, a, you know, uh, for the people, tell them, you know better, you know me. The people who you're not close to, you can just say nothing because it doesn't matter what you say. He, they already think you're crazy. And, and, and so the best thing you can do is stand up and be sane and not try to make yourself crazier by explaining yourself to people who will not understand you, okay? Um, poor little guy, the poor narcissist, poor unwitting victim. It's exhaustive and it's stressful for you, but it's just part of what he does. It's the victim syndrome. You know, he plays like he's, it's part of his, his game. But he's going to thrive through it and he may even use his sob story to snare his next victim in his web. That is the awesome. And if you think back, I bet he did the same thing to you. When you got together with, with a narcissist, you probably can remember how he talked about his ex. And it was probably not good. And you may have at some point in your relationship realized that it was probably lies when you heard him talking about you in a similar way. Um, all right. Now the type, according to Dr. Lynn Namka, the type and amount of defenses that a person develops can add up, creating more problems for themselves and those around them. Uh, denial is avoiding responsibility for one's harmful actions to others and saying, nah, -uh, not me, I didn't do it. Namka continues that the per saying that the person learns to lie to even himself. They need to keep the pretense of being a quote-unquote good guy, and across time, they come to believe their own lie. Denial is being irresponsible at an unconscious level because the person is embarrassed to know the truth about his misbehavior. You see what I'm saying? So let's pull it all together and let's get out of the fog. The pattern of constant mind games and manipulation that you deal with with a narcissist, it leaves you feeling used up, empty, and lost. And often you fall into narcissistic fog, which is, you know, fear, obligation, and guilt. It's a pattern that many of us have become guilty of. Many of us have fallen for it, fallen into it. It's not our fault. It just happens when you're dealing with a difficult person. But now that you understand it, you can stop it. You know, these behaviors lead you to eventually retreating and apologizing and begging for forgiveness yet again. So an example, um, let's say that uh, you came home from work one day and your narcissist had eaten your last candy bar that you had been saving for whatever. This is just a really lame 
explanation, but or example, but you get the idea. So you came home and he knew you didn't want him to eat that candy bar, and you said, "Honey, I just I ask you to not eat that candy bar. Why did you eat that candy bar?" And or you know, "Oh hey, where's my candy bar?" Anything like that. And then the narcissist, instead of being like, "I'm so sorry, I ate your candy bar. I, I'll go get you a new one," the narcissist would yell and scream at you for having the nerve to to call that your candy bar because, you know, of course everything you have is his, and and he was hungry and and you weren't there to feed him, so. He went ahead and ate your candy bar. <laughs> and then eventually, by the end of that conversation, you will be the horrible person who, you know, who he will point out did not come home in time to make him dinner, did not go to the grocery store and left your candy bar sitting out. So he assumed, and, and how dare you, and da 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 you know, it, it, and you, by the end of the evening, will be begging, please, I'm sorry, let's just stop fighting, okay? It's terrible, but that's what, what happens. So you've got to love emotional blackmail, you know what I'm saying? All right. According to Susan Forward, PhD, in a Psychology Today article, this kind of emotional blackmail is a powerful form of manipulation in which people close to us threaten directly or indirectly, indirectly to punish us if we don't do what they want. The main tool of the trade, Forward says, is fog, fear, obligation, and guilt. And, of course, the cycle of narcissistic abuse has been completed yet again. So let me ask you a question before we wrap up today. Have you been in a relationship like this? Can you tell me about it? Share your thoughts and experiences in the comments below. And if you want to detoxify your life, you can head over to booksangiewrote.com and pick up Take Back Your Life, 103 Highly Effective Strategies to Snuff Out a Narcissist Gaslighting and Enjoy the Life You Really Deserve. It's a great book. Um, it's actually my bestseller. I, I, and a lot of people have told me that it's really helped them. Um, I think it's two ninety nine, so it's it's not a big expensive thing either. All right. Um, so that's it for today. Again, my name is Angela Atkinson, and um, I am a certified life coach, author, and survivor survivor of narcissistic abuse. You can head over to queenbeing.com and check out. Um, all of the articles, videos, and other free resources there on narcissistic abuse recovery. Visit NarcissismSupportCoach.com to get your free five-day email course or visit BooksAngieWrote.com to pick up your books. That's all I've got for today. Until next time, I'll see you then.